Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Josh Cast. Here we're going to talk about with our with our amazing guest a meeting of the minds where we have a massage for your mind. For your mind. So, thanks for coming back on. Thank you for having me, man. It's a joy to be with you. It's an honor to be with you on this platform. I am particularly humbled uh, by how you have presented yourself and how you're committed to your craft. Mm. And I'm very proud of you and thank you for having me. Sure, sure. No problem. Uh, for today's episode, I wanted us to talk about the art of being you. All right. Let's do now, it. The goal for this podcast uh, series was to really, I wanted the listeners to listen in to what we talk about on a daily basis. Okay. Yeah. Because we talk about so many things, you know, we talk about, you know, you being a father, we talk mm-hmm. about ministry, we talk about what's going on in business, mm-hmm. political climates, civil, civil things that's going on. We talk about, you know, how this world is changing, which, you know, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, Right. You know, we we reflect on what's going on in our daily lives. Absolutely. And I just wanted, you know, us to just talk about what we normally share, you know, every single day where we just, you know, every time we talk. Every day's an event. It's, every time we talk, I'm like, hold on, let me grab a notebook. I'm writing down well, I'm writing what you're you. saying or you're writing down yeah. what I'm saying. Or yeah. I may bring up a fact that you are like, oh, I didn't know about that. And you tell right. me something I didn't know about. So it's yeah, just it's always adventure. a back and forth. It's like it's a game adventure. of catch. It is. It's an adventure. It's yeah. a very fair game of catch. Well, one thing I can honestly say is when you talk about, you know, the art of being you, you have always been someone who has been a polymath, where you're not just one, just one thing. It's just so many different things that you, you know have going on in your life and i've noticed you know it's kind of hard to really define who you are because you're so unique you said you know you're like one of those like uh wild cards like an uno you put it out it messes up the whole <laughs> game funny. i never thought of it that so, way so you know you're that kind of person where like you know you're like how do you describe him you know you, you know you're that you know you're a unique person well thank god you know well you asking me a question how do i describe me well, how do you do? What? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Um. What made you different from the other preachers that you've seen growing up? I say I'll start off with that question. Okay. Well, first of all, again, I'm very grateful to be here. I've been doing a lot of reflecting, a lot of thinking lately, just in terms of my life. I'm getting ready to hit a new decade of life. Forty. Uh, no, no, God, Feels no. like it. No, and uh, just been praying a lot about that, and so we think a lot about my childhood. And mm. I what was your childhood like? Well, I mean, you were there, but I mean, we I... were in the same house, but we had two different experiences. So I Elaborate mean, on that, because you will well, say that all the time. Oh, yeah, I mean, because you can be in the same house with someone and still perceive things differently. Oh, absolutely. And my wife and I do a lot of counseling for couples and things. And what we notice is that sometimes a couple can be in a an environment, mm-hmm. and even if they've known each other, there were still things that they did not know when they come to sit down. And so, how we perceive of things is very different, right? Um, because you can be living through a moment and not even know that you're living through something significant until times have passed, years from now, things that happen. Right. And for me, 
we grew up in church. Mm-hmm. We grew up in the things of God. Absolutely. We grew up having a relationship with God. And I think looking back now, mm-hmm. my life, I was made for what I was called to do. Mm. And wow. it's a very humbling thing. It's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. But it was a God thing. And mm. so for me, I have very fond memories of childhood. You know, I got called into ministry very, very early. And so listen to how early. I was three years old when I preached my first sermon. And then uh, Gramps made me wait seven years. My grandfather, our grandfather, Dr. Kelly, made me wait uh, seven years. In that meantime, I was preaching in the neighborhoods, preaching in the barbershops, preaching on the corner, yes. preaching in the street, preaching everywhere. My ministry started on the street corners. Uh, and so I was protesting for Jesus long before <laughs> everybody else was. And uh, doing community stuff when people didn't even want to be in the community. You know? Yeah. We were doing stuff. I was doing stuff with AIDS and HIV in Brownsville. Uh, before Barack Obama became president, right. So I'm I'm very familiar with community activism and social justice in addition to ministry. So that's fine. That that was just mm-hmm. that was just the way of life. That we right. grew up in a family that was very entrepreneurial. We owned property. We owned the we owned the supermarket where we got our food. So that changes everything. Yes. You know, and then we also um, not only owned property in New York down south from our mom's side and upstate on our parent my dad's side right so we had a lot of things that we saw and so i think sometimes Josh, you observe some things by osmosis mm. and some things you just observe by them. i mean it never dawned on me that that our forefathers were bivocational they just worked and they pastored it wasn't like we actually thought about it they just did it right you know they, they had businesses in addition to working in addition to ministry so now as I'm grown doing some of those same things in a different way, it makes more sense because we had a lot of examples. Mm. And, um, you know, they say mentorship is wisdom without the wounds. And I think that that's true to a certain extent. But I think when you begin to walk out the fulfillment of your purpose, you begin to have your own wounds and scars too. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. So, uh, for me, it was just <clears throat> a realization that I was called to do what God called me to do at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I had a radical encounter with God when I was a kid, around 9, 10 years old, around the time of Y2K, 1999, around there. And, uh, you know, you had Prince talking about party like it's 99. I was panicking in 99 <laughs> <laughs> because I was in church hearing all serious some really bad theological stuff uh, that... You know, the year 2000 was going to be the end and all of that. Of course. And so I was praying, well, God, you know, if it's going to be the end, why did you make me? I'm a little kid. <laughs> you know, and I was really having a hard time with that. And, and mm-hmm. seriously, I'm laughing now, but I was really scared, you know, because the Y2K, everybody was thinking that New Year's Eve night of midnight of 2000, everything was going to shut down and we would be in the Stone Age again. Of course. And all this type of stuff. And I had no idea what God was up to. I had no idea what he was doing. Absolutely. I had no idea that he had something in his mind, mm-hmm. that he had something on his agenda and on his heart. And so I just was trusting him uh, in the midst of this uncertainty, right. trusting him in the midst of that. And so I had a dream. Uh-huh. I had a dream. I had a dream. You know, that's a little <laughs> funny story we had. I had a dream for podcasts, you know. It's yeah, 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 I had a dream. And in this dream, I saw a wide grass field. And there were all these young people with... Uh, T-shirts that had global fire on them mm-hmm. and a globe and a flame. Right. And I didn't know what it meant. I was a kid. I didn't know what it meant. I thought there was going to be like a youth group, a 
or something right. like a youth movement or like something in the neighborhood like what I was already doing. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote him in a sketchbook, Global Fire Cathedral, Bishop D. A. Sharon. I was a little kid. How old were you? I was like ten. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like yeah, that I was ten. Wow. And I had no idea that what was conceived in a sketchbook as a nine and ten year old mm-hmm. would be conceived in the earth my senior year of high school. Mm. Wow. And. I had already started doing pastoral work. It'd be 15 years this year. I started going out to churches. And I just started feeling like there's got to be more to God than this. And I realized that my hunger and my thirst was growing after God Mm. in a way that was different. It wasn't from a traditional paradigm Uh of just going from church hopping to service to service to service. Absolutely. But I had a hunger and a thirst after God. I still do now. Oh, of course. And it well, led I'm me to fasting. It led me to prayer. I would say around 15, I had these really unique encounters with God that changed my life. I was in Europe, and when I was in Europe, I had a um, a death situation, almost life or death situation. Mm, I remember that. Because yeah. of um, this bomb threat thing. And it was one of the very few times that I ever had to face my mortality. I've had that happen multiple times. It was one of the very few times I faced one mortality, and I didn't have my family next to me. Wow. I didn't have anybody that I knew with me. Mm. And it made me think about life very differently. And I was in the book of Jeremiah while I was in... I'm actually not talking about it. Man, you're unlocking things in me while I'm Of course. That's how, that's how... This is, this is, this is it, man. I was reading the book of Jeremiah while I was in, in Europe and was just praying, and I'm like, God... When I go back home, I don't ever want to be the same. I don't want to preach the same. I don't want to act the same. I want your power to be released in my life. Mm. I want your presence to be released in my life. Come on here. I don't want to be one of those people that become a professional preacher, a mm-hmm. professional Christian. Right. I don't want to be a, a professional Christian, a professional preacher, mm-hmm. and a piss poor Christian. Right? right. Right. I want to be real, and I want your presence. I want your power. I want your anointing. Mm-hmm. To be on me, and I just started. I just didn't even have a desire to eat back then. I was fasting. I mean, if I kept that fasting schedule now, I probably wouldn't have this belly that I got from the pandemic. Right. But <laughs> I was probably fasting and praying back then, two to three days a week. Right. And it was just a, it was just a time frame, a flow that I was. Of in. course. And the power of God began to move, and the denominational boundaries and barriers that I was in was very hesitant to that. I understand that, yeah. And so I, I, I really began to be... I felt like I was in a self-imposed prison. Self-imposed prison. Mm. And from there, the thought came of what freedom would look like. Mm-hmm. Of what freedom and ministry would look like. What freedom would look like for where I was. Mm-hmm. And what it would look like for what God was calling me Absolutely, into. yeah. So that's kind of a bit of my journey. Wow, man. It's kind of a bit of my journey. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of really great preachers growing up, you know. Right from bygone errors and all of that. But I was always taught to respect the pulpit. It's fine. To respect the pulpit. And that the pulpit is a standard. You got it? Yep, got the pulpit it. is a standard. And that we rise up to it and we don't bring it down to where of we course, are. Of course. Which is why sometimes it drives me crazy living in the 2020s. Oh, yeah. Uh, when it comes to that. But that's oh, yeah. not what we're going to do. Yeah, but no. So, no, I understand. So, the art of being you. I mean, I just feel like everybody... God is our, our creator, and he's called us to be creative. I wrote a book called Color Outside yes, the Lines. Yes, yes, And talk about uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like, it's like sometimes we we shut that part of us off. 
Oh, absolutely. I understand that. Yeah, of you course. Know, and, and we need to really embrace that creativity because all of us have it uniquely. Right. Like, I love church history. Remember we mm-hmm. talked about that earlier? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. You know, and you love music. And I think that you have to really uh, pursue what it is that you enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, I can I definitely attest to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the art of being you, I think sometimes people have a hard time of trying to be themselves because they try to fit in. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that I remember uh, I was talking to somebody and it was, uh, I remember we were, me and a musician was talking one time mm-hmm. and he said, man, you know, he said, you know, what do you like to listen to? What do you like to listen to? I said, well, I said, it depends. He said, what do you mean? I said, it depends on eras. Because for me, when it comes to favorite music, I, I define it by eras, not really genres. Right. So... If I want to go back to 30s, put on some Duke Ellington. If I want to listen to, you know, some protests or some, you know, anthem, Marvin Gaye or, you know, Ball of Confusion, those kinds of things. So, you know, I think sometimes for me, I've always embraced who I am. Because I've never been at the place where I'm like, I'm trying to be like this. No, I'm just maybe I'm just a bunch of people in one body. You know, I told somebody one time, I said, uh. I said, you know, when I when I went to school and had fun and act a fool and just had fun, you know, just just being a kid, I said, you know, some days I would imitate Richard Pryor, some days imitate Michael X or Doctor Key, like just be a cook. And I feel like some people need to just understand that it's okay to be who you are. I think sometimes we try to be robots. Like I want to, I remember, um, I uh, I remember in school, you would go to the lunch table, mm-hmm. you see about five kids with the same. Pair of sneakers, same color, same design. Yeah, I remember that. You go to another table, somebody got the same color, team, everything. For me, I was like, as long as the shoes fit and they comfortable, yeah. it's fine. And I think sometimes we allow us to be... Cl- and I, it's, you see so much Im- to imitation and so much cloning now. When you look at movies, you could look at five different movies, same plot. You look at a certain TV show. You like, wait, that a TV show remind me of this one. Boom. You look at certain music. All music sounds almost the same. Same beat, same melody, same hook, same five or less words. You look at the preaching. Some of the preaching all sound the same. So it's like everybody's trying to be the same. But who is unique? Who's going to be that def- definite factor? And I think that that also is the reason why we don't have as many outliers as we once did. Mm. People who rise up from amongst the fray right. to do something different. <clears throat> for me personally, for me personally, I think it's twofold. Okay. First, I think it's economic. It's what sells. Right. People have a drive to be viral, to be famous. Mm-hmm. And whenever fame comes at the expense of faithfulness, there will always be uh, mishaps and misfires. In a conflict, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was thinking you hadn't told me to watch the Aretha docuseries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking about that when you're talking about the art of being you. Mm-hmm. When you, it's amazing because when you see Aretha in the beginning, she's struggling to find herself. Yes. I couldn't see if she was going to be a jazz singer. Mm-hmm. Or she was trying to be like Lena Horne. Right. Trying to be like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I remember this line, and I wrote it down. When she was a little girl watching Clara Ward. Yes. And I wrote this down. I said she wasn't focused um, she was trying to do everything instead of focusing on who she was. And I found that there were times, even in my own journey, uh, where I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. 
Wow. Wow. Everywhere and nowhere. Here and there and nowhere. And it happens to a lot of people. Because she was following Clara Ward. Mm -hmm. Clara Ward was singing. She said, Clara Ward, I want to be just like you. Yes. And Clara Ward said this. I took notes, man. Of course. Clara Ward said to her, study all the singers that you like. You borrow from them and then you mix in what you already got. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Thinking about uh, how you have to bounce around before you find your fit. And and there was a distinction. You know, I, I, I got a lot. Go, I got a lot to say after this, man. Yeah, this and is there was a distinction yeah. because at one record company, they couldn't find it. They kept trying to box her in, mm-hmm. and then she meets Wexler, and he looks at her and says, "I can do for you what I did for Ray." I'm not telling the show. You oh no, I can, I'm, I'm gonna tell and, you what and, I what and, I think of stuff when too. When that happens, when that happens, he says, "I can help you find your sound." Of course. And I just started having a moment when I was watching it. And I had to put my phone down. So I almost started tearing up. Mm. And the question that came to me was, who helped me find myself? Woo! Nice. Who nice. That's a good question. You know, and, and That's a good question. I, 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 I like that, that question. Said, Sometimes you need people who help to chisel you and nurture you into finding your sound. And I wrote down people who were, at one point, impressed uh, wanted me to be impressed by them, and then others who were in my life who wanted me to be equipped by them. Mm, and yeah, sometimes yeah. there are those who uh, they just want to be the gift, and then there are others who recognize the gifts you have and they propel you forward. Well, this is smooth, man. This is nice. I like how this conversation is going. You know when you know when I when I uh, listen and just. Um, for me, when it comes to... I remember once I told somebody... Yesterday, I had the pleasure of, of watching um, the Mahalia Jackson Bob Pitt. I've never seen that yet. Yeah. And somebody said, what made you so fascinated? I said, for me, when I like... I have a certain list of favorite singers, I want to know their backstory. How did they get to where they are? And so when I... You know, I love... I love Ray Charles. love Ray Charles. And I remember they said, Ray Charles had such a hard time finding his voice. Yeah, Ray was one of my favorite movies. And they were saying, you know, he was trying to sound like Nat King Cole. He was trying to sound like Charlie Parker. He was trying to sound like, you know, Ali Atkin and all these different guys. And they said, this is not... And he had to step back and Ray Charles said, you know, when he was thinking, he said he had to go back to his childhood of his gospel music roots. Mm. How he heard the revival songs and Sunday. So he took that and put it into his music. That's how he was able to find it. And then when I think about Marvin Gaye, Mm-hmm. You know, um, how you break up Marvin Gaye is, you know, uh, you know, post to Tammy Terrell's when he, his, his musical sounds uh, changed. Mm-hmm. So when he first came out, he was trying to sound like Nat. He was trying to sound like Ray. He was trying to sound like Sam. He was trying to sound like... Mm-hmm. And, his, and, Mar- and when he said finding someone who finds your sound, Barry Gordy said, okay, look, you got to find a sound that's you. And he was able to take his sound and... Start marveling off of the way he was, mm-hmm. and sometimes, sometimes we can, as creative people, we can think we're trying to find ourselves, trying to find. And sometimes it takes that one person to look at you and say, "You know, you are this way, or you are that way." Or sometimes it's a point where you have to just step back and say, "Okay, who am I, and who am I not?" Because I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is actually... I remember a couple of years ago, uh, 
you, you, I remember I told somebody, I said, you know, the scariest person to hear my message is my brother. So I remember you listened to my message and I remember you broke down my highs and lows. And I remember when you broke it down and I said, okay, I see where he's coming from with that. And then it made me shift gears and look at certain things a different way. So, you know, many people sometimes need a step back for someone's eyes to look at it a different way. Because sometimes we may be doing something and we're like, okay, we're trying, we're trying this, we're trying that, but it's not there. And then you have somebody be like, you know what? Look at it from the left perspective, not the right perspective. But being, you know, unique, being different, being, you know, edgy, different, it takes a willingness to not be popular. Because sometimes you get hype and we get popular because you, cause it sounds like, wow. You know, it sounds like something trendy. But in order to be different, you have to think about timelessness. And I think sometimes people don't understand is that is there between something being, you know, timely versus timeless? Because when you look at certain things, right? So you look at uh you look at certain songs and you listen to a song you're like, oh yeah, that was back in such and such time. And then you listen to, like, what's going on? Timeless song. You know, you listen to, you know, My Girl. Timeless song. You listen to, you know, something from Beethoven or Mozart. Timeless. You listen to something from Sam Cooke. Time. There's certain people who weren't even thinking as they were writing the song to be timeless, but they captured something that was so unique that it would never be forgotten. Never be forgotten. And I think that's what we really need to do. Just focus on what makes you happy and what you want what do you want to say how it makes you feel because you may say you know while you're listening i'm writing something i'm thinking about something i want to put something together i want to start a business i want to start a vision and you may say to yourself what do i do but there's something unique that god gives you and you can take that and make it into something that maybe yes people are like i'm glad you did this i'm glad that happened like um like one of my one of my favorite uh, figures is Adam Clayton Powell. Mm-hmm. And I love how unique he was. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't like the traditional church pastor. He wasn't a traditional politician. But he was able to blend both worlds and make that unique. He was able to do different things. And then if you look at different authors that you might like listen to. You know, for me, you know, I love, you know, Langston and I love, you know, Winston Churchill. Those two different worlds. But I just loved to bring, and I love that it's okay to love different things. Absolutely. Like how you say you love Motown and Mozart. You know, I love, you know, Mahalia Jackson and Michael Jackson. (laughs) You know, I love, you know, you know, Prince and then, you know, I also like DMX too, R.I.P. So it's the different things, that, and it's okay to be a blend of different things. I remember uh, a stand-up comedian, because I remember I wanted to be a stand-up comedian years ago, and they said a true stand-up comedian is able to make gumbo, where you add all different things that you have, and by the time you finish cooking it up, we see something great. And that's why I really love... That's why I really loved Richard Pryor growing up. Because he was just unique. He wasn't trying to make you laugh. He just was sharing about his life. And it just made you laugh. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he came from being born, you know, at a brothel. And how his grandma was the madam. And how his father was a pimp. And you would be like, that's crazy. But the way he told a story, you bust out laughing. Right. Comedians are phenomenal storytellers. Yeah. They're phenomenal stories. Everyone has a story. And, you know, we were talking about that earlier in terms of music. Yes. And your style. 
Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to uh, uh, ministry and preaching and teaching of the word, you got to also know how you're wired because preaching and teaching is also truth conveyed through a person. Yes. So how God is working through you as a person. Mm-hmm. Because he's always going to do something unique through you that he never does through someone else. Right. You know, it's just like we are, we live in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Those who are listening from other places, we honor you, we love you. But, you know, if you think about the United States as a baby, uh, you can look at the baby and say, oh, she looks just like her daddy. Her daddy was the United Kingdom, England. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she got daddy's eyes. You know? Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't make her her daddy. Right. Uh, and so it's understanding how those things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you said something to me earlier when we were on the phone. Okay. Uh, in regards to uh, preaching and teaching. And you yes. were saying that uh, my style reminded you a bit of classical and jazz. Yes. And, yes. And uh, that made me think because... There's a reason why I said that. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So when you go to... One of the things I love listening to is live concerts. I love listening to them. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I hope. Oh, you like listening to yeah. Oh, hopefully, uh, you know, I get to record a live concert one day. So, a live. The reason I like watching live concerts, I like to hear the reaction of the audience when they're listening. So, listening to a classical, it starts off with a, with a conductor, and you have the instruments. You have the instruments, you have the horns, you have the strings, you have the piano, you have all the different ones in the structure. In the structure. Classical music is all about structure. Mm. So it's... He's waving his hand. The whole time. They're not improvising, it's just... I didn't even think of that. Wow. When you look at jazz... Jazz is intentionally made to be improvisational. So you listen to jazz. It starts off real slow. Real slow. You got the horns. You got the keys. And you got... Real slow. But all of a sudden, jazz goes... And then it shows into another song. So you have two different styles. You have a structure where it's not gonna co it's not gonna change. It's gonna be the same on the on the all of the sheet music. Jazz is something that can change into something like it can go from fast to slow to slow to fast and doom. And then it can go to, you know, and that is your style of preaching where it's real structured. Wow. It's real structured, and That's then so- you can actually turn the improvisational and make something shift. Wow. So that's how you've always, yeah. That's a metaphor. Yeah, so you're classical jazz because jazz is improvisational. And then jazz also has a structure, but the structure is different from classical. So, like, you know, for me, when I was saying earlier, my style is sampling. So, you know, taking the old and making it sound good for the new and things of that nature. So, you know, hip hop. And then you also add different melodies and different things to it. But, you know, a lot of people. When you study people, when you study certain things, you have to look at it a certain way. But for me, you know, listening to you every Sunday and then, you know, picking up what you're saying, how you're putting it together and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, definitely has a structure like classical, definitely has improvisational uh, themes like a jazz. So I've seen that over the years, how you, you always had a structure. It was never a, you know, like... 
it was never, you know, one of those music where it's like, all right, the song keeps going on and on and on. And on. You know how to, you know, bring the, the beat down, bring it the beat up and take things a certain way, bring it in and things like that. You know, it's, I, I told somebody one time, I said, I said the two, the most time I felt the similar feeling, not the same, but similar was when I went to, when I attended church service and when I went to a certain concert, because I'm like the same feeling. Like I can feel when the music is going to go up a certain way, when it's going to go down, how it's going to go. It's not about being predictable, but there's just a feeling that I hear in my ear. So it's just a certain way I hear it and then see it and things like that. So, yeah, it's very, you know, you have definitely a creative, unique way of how you look at scripture and how you look at things, how you present it, how you put it together. But that comes out of you because you're just that kind of person. And I've noticed some certain types of music, certain types of songs, certain types of messages, certain types of preaching. It comes out of the person in their everyday life. So if you look at if a if a garbage man preach about recycling. He'll talk about how God takes us and molds us and put us in a certain way. Recycle. You know, if a pastor, if a person who's a farmer preach about farming, he'll talk about how God takes us as a plant and makes us and all that. So if a chef preaches about a sermon about making something and creating, just like God does in Genesis. So everything you, that you, that's your life you're working in, it comes out a certain way. Yeah, that's why when Grams will preach about yeah. sometimes sharecropping and things right. like that, because it comes out it of comes it. From, yeah. Just like when you were talking about how you went to Europe and different places that you travel, right. your 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 uniqueness is going to come out in whatever you do. Right. So good, so good, and I think I think that this is so important mm-hmm. because many times people are trying to be something that they're not. Right. And uh, you have to embrace yes. how God has wired you, how He has called you. How he has developed you, mm-hmm. and even how he has established you, because that's where your strength lies. Your strength lies at the intersection of your differences. Sure. And so, for me, creativity is where is where opposites collide. Yes. I look yes. at it like this: people that I enjoy, that I admire, that I respect, will probably never be in the room together. Yes, I remember but, you were talking about that. They can all that. be in the room in my mind. Exit. Yes. In my mind, I've got. I've got G. Patterson sitting next to Wilbert McKinley, sitting next to uh, Leonard Sweet, sitting next to Mark Sharon, uh, and on the other side of the table uh, is is Leonardo da Vinci, uh, meeting <laughs> with Robert Greene, uh-huh. uh, talking with uh, Malcolm Gladwell, right, uh, and they're having a conversation with with uh, W. E. B. Du Bois, uh, and W. E. B. Du Bois is sitting there with Sojourner Truth and. Mm-hmm. And they're having a conversation with uh, Michelangelo and yeah. and Tertullian and all. These, of course, and, and they can all be at home in your mind. In my mind, I remember when you said. I remember when I said. Uh, <laughs> who, I remember when we asked. You said who would be at your lunch table. I remember mm-hmm. I said. Uh, I said Malcolm X would sit there. Mm-hmm. I said Hugh P. Newton. Mm-hmm. I said uh, Langston Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. King, and Clay Powell. Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah, good name. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon. Oh, yeah, you like him, yeah. Um, you know your guy, C.L. Franklin. C.L. Franklin, yeah. <laughs> uh, like for me, Gardner Taylor. Yes. You know, and, and and I think it's so beautiful that you can uh, appreciate 
mm-hmm. what you bring to the table. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm business background. Of course. Many people know me as a preacher, but they don't know that I started a business. Yep. I was doing business stuff uh, way before I, I moved into some of the things I'm doing now. Absolutely. And when I had my first publishing company when I was 17, I got sued at 16. It was my first company <laughs> I was 17. I was young with old people problems. And, and one of the things I learned is that you must know your UVP. Your unique value proposition. Yes. What do you bring to the table? It mm-hmm. was in uh, his book. He wrote Good to Great. And I have it here in my office at the church, Jim Collins. But he also yes. wrote a book called How the Mighty Fall. Mm. And in that book, How the Mighty Fall, and maybe we can do something on this eventually. I'm going to, he talks yeah. about the undisciplined pursuit of more. Wow. The undisciplined pursuit about the next more. time. And so whenever we're focused on more, 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 Instead of utilizing what we have, we miss the mark. And I want to just say one more thing. Yeah, of course. We're talking about the art of being you. Yes. Um, and understanding who you are, mm-hmm. uh, which is so radically important. Yes. Um, because it shapes everything. And you shouldn't shy away from who, no, you, know who you are. And you, and you want to also be mindful of how the Lord works through you, how he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. For me, it's impressions in my heart. Yes. It's dreams at times. It's, it's sometimes I'm awake and uh, just listening and taking time to write um, and to hear mm-hmm. from my heart right. what he's saying to me. And so I, I think that it's so critically important that we appreciate that, that we know who God has called us to be. Mm. And then you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to lose, and you have everything to gain. Right. And Job 8 and 7 says, though your beginning was small, yes, was your matter in shall increase abundantly. And so I think we have to be okay with starting small. Yes. I got a book here in my office here, Seth Golden, Small is the New Big. So true. And starting small. Just like this podcast, this podcast began with a seed. Mm, and it takes wow. a seed to develop and to, to, and to germinate into a harvest. Yes. And someone might be listening even now. You've been so encouraged and inspired mm. by what it is you've heard today. And this meeting of the minds is also massage and encourage your mind. Yes. And I would encourage you to support this podcast. Wow. Be a blessing uh, to this work and to the future of what uh, Joshua Sharon's uh, ministries and his businesses and his entities <laughs> have to offer you. Uh, and I believe that God will continue to edify you and to encourage you. And so I want to thank all of those who do support your work. Yes, thank uh, you. Continue thank you so to hit much. that support button right where you are. You see it right there. It's mm-hmm. right there. Just hit that support button. Yes, sir. Uh, at a very simple level. And you'll be able to grow and be edified because this is fruitful content. Yes. We have a whole lot of fearful content. Mm-hmm. We have a whole lot of foolish content. Yes. But we have much. We don't have much fruitful content. Mm-hmm. And we want to leave the fearful. We want to leave the foolish. And we want to embrace and invest in the fruit. Because wow. if there's a fruit, there's a root. And yes. Jesus said a tree is known by, fruit by the fruit it bears. Wow. Thank you so kindly for having us.
Wow. My, my mind has been massaged. I hope yours has too. Uh, yeah, I got full, full body tissue massage. <laughs> <laughs> this was incredible. Wonderful. Uh, I'm excited about the next things we're going to talk about. Yes, but yes. This was great. You know, yes. I'm, I want I want people to listen into what I've I've been. You know, what we talk about daily basis. <laughs> all the time. I mean, yeah. All the time. <laughs> hours upon hours. Yes. Of conversation, yes. 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 And we had time to do it. Yes. And I think it's just so 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 important. Oh, absolutely. The art of being, being you. you.